Hello, Marvel fans. Welcome to this episode of Stand Up and Marvel. I'm your host, Michael Tracy, and joining me this week is Colin Tracy. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Mike. How are you doing? Doing great as always, man. But when I'm not doing great, I will make sure to say it. So this week, we're going to be diving into Eternals. We're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to start a new episode series that we'll be doing not scheduled, but whenever we feel it's best to fit into the week. Uh, we're calling it Time Heist, and it's going to be a rewind of previous MCU content that we'll be exploring again, whether it's Easter eggs and whatever. You know, we're going to be going into all of it. And Eternals actually just released on Disney Plus. So it released last week. Today's date is January 18th, 2022. So we felt this was the most relevant movie to talk and deep dive into right now. So I just watched it. I loved it again um, more than I did the first time. So I love it all. Let's be honest. We're doing a Marvel podcast. Of course, we love it. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. What about you? Yeah, I thought it was great. Um, we did our uh, ranking of all the uh, movies a couple weeks ago at this point. Um, it was number two for me. I think uh, I still agree with the where I placed it. Um, my number one and three may or may not swap. We'll have to see. But uh, yeah, definitely love this one. Um, even more so the second time, uh, partially because I noticed a lot of things that I didn't see the first time around. So um, yeah, so definitely a good one. Yeah, well, definitely. We'll save a little bit more of that for the non-spoiler se uh, segment. Didn't mean to, to dive too much into that. I was just time having the regular conversation. Uh, but for announcements, we don't have anything. Uh, nothing that I can think of off the top of our head. Um, but Colin, do you have anything to add? No, let's just jump over to the non-spoiler segment. Yeah, sounds good. Just if you're listening or watching, make sure to pay attention to our social networking and for uh, any updates. But uh, we'll be back after this break. And we're back for the non-spoiler segment of Stand Up and Marvel. We mentioned how we felt about the movie in the intro announcement, but we'll expand a little bit more for this segment uh, and not provide any spoilers and, and anything. Save that for the body, the rest of the, the episode. Uh, but Colin, do you want to take it away um, of your thoughts, your general thoughts on Eternals? Uh, yeah. Um, overall, I thought it was a really solid movie. Uh, it was pretty challenging because they introduced a lot of new characters in this movie. Um, and again, trying to avoid uh, any spoilers here. Um, so you can see all of this in the uh, the trailer. So basically anything in the trailer is fair game. Uh, we're not going to go beyond what's shown in there. Um, so there's 10 Eternals, and of course, there's some other characters that have to be introduced in addition to them. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a challenge, you know, in a two and a half hour movie uh, to give a backstory for all of those characters. And they do talk about this a little bit in the trailers that, uh, you know, they've been around for a really long time. I don't remember if they give a specific uh, uh, date but it's it's around 5000 bc um so they've been around for a long time they've been on earth that whole time and they were basically instructed uh when they were placed on earth uh to not interfere with anything um that happens unless 
uh, a a creature called uh, deviant unless the deviants are involved. Um, so they've just been here trying not to interfere unless deviants do anything, and uh, that's pretty much all you get from the trailer. But you know, it like I said, it was a challenge just because they're giving an origin story for you know like 15 or so different characters just all brand new to the mcu and they have to fit all those origin stories into two and a half hours so it was a challenge um and i think they did a really good job with it um this movie got kind of a lot of backlash that i think i don't fully understand why i guess there were kind of some uh slow parts um but uh yeah i think it was a really solid movie uh given everything that they uh had to fit into it uh, i think it was really well done um, so I definitely recommend it uh, to anybody new to Marvel or, you know, continuing Marvel fans that have been uh, around for years. Um, don't want to talk too much about how it ties into other stuff, but uh, you know, like I said, it, it starts around 5000 BC. And since it's an origin story, it jumps all over time. Um, and then it ends uh, like the majority of the, the movie happens around the time of uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, and, uh, yeah, can't really go into it too much else without, uh, giving some spoilers. So, uh, what, uh, what do you have to say about it, Mike? Yeah, I second what you said. I think that it, it definitely got way more slack than it deserved. I think that maybe people might change their minds a little bit in the second time they second go around maybe they're watching it at home and maybe they missed a few things they weren't paying as much attention to the movie or maybe the the movie did, didn't pull their attention as much as they wanted to so maybe people can take it in their own doses and pause when they want and ask questions when they want and research things or whatever because like you said there was a lot going on um but i think that it was executed well with all things considered um and like colin said that just don't let that that weird, you know, backlash for the film turn you off, turn you away from watching it. You know, if you're uh, any sort of level of Marvel fan, casual fan, hardcore fan, I mean, hardcore, you've probably already seen it, but casual fan and you're on the fence, you know, it's on Disney Plus. You already have the subscription. What do you have to lose? If you don't want to spend money, I understand. But to to hold it and regard it as one of the worst or if not the worst MCU movie that people were saying when it came out is just it, it, not fair, not even, it, it's not, it's not right. So we recommend it. I recommend it. I know Colin does and just watch it, give it a chance because is it the best Marvel movie? No, but is it worth watching? Is it, does it bring something else to the table? Does it, does it move momentum or whatever? You'll have to find out but go see the movie, watch it. I have one other thing to add. Um, so I, I wanna answer this question for people uh, that are you know, considering seeing the movie because it's kind of important. Um, are there any movies that you need to see before this to like fully understand everything that's going on? Uh, I'm not gonna answer that here, but that will be the first thing we address in the spoiler section because in my opinion, if I answer that, that could be a very strong hint as to like who is in the movie so you know that'll be the first thing so if you want to keep listening for the first few seconds of the spoiler segment and then jump out um we'll talk about that first thing 
give it a chance and come back and listen to the rest of the episode. We'd love to have you, but definitely watch the, watch the movie if you haven't seen it yet, for sure. I don't have anything else to add. I think that's it. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back for the main discussion uh, after this break. Thanks for joining us again for this episode of Stand Up and Marvel. Right now, we're going to be doing the main discussion of our take on Marvel Studios Eternals. Colin, take it away. All right. So as promised, the uh, first thing uh, that I want to answer here before we go into all the details on the movie, I want to do this first just because some people might not necessarily consider it a spoiler, but I do. So um, there's really only one movie, arguably, yeah, I'd say definitely um, that you would want to see before this, and that's Endgame. But if you understand the premise of the movie, don't really need to see it. <laughs> um, so that's really it. Uh, there's no other movies that you need to see to be able to understand everything that's happening in the movie. It's it's all about the uh, result of what happened in Endgame. Um, I'm sorry. Correction: <laughs> Infinity War, not Endgame. <laughs> Um, yes, Infinity War. So you need to see Infinity War. Wait, let's just start over. I consider. Oh, 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 oh okay, <laughs> just, we can do that. That's let's fine. just start over. Yeah. I was just gonna say just I consider them. Up. I was gonna back you up because I was gonna say honestly I consider Infinity War and Endgame like the same thing basically. It's the same experience. Yeah. Part one, part two. It's not. Uh, it's just really. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'll say that, but let's just start over anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. All good, man. No, no, no. Don't be sorry. <clears throat> You get one mulligan, Colin. Just kidding. All right. Welcome back to our main discussion segment of Stand Up and Marvel. This week's episode, we're covering Eternals, a very divisive MCU film. Colin, take it away. All right. So as promised, the first thing I'm going over here uh, is going to be what movie or movies you should watch before seeing Eternals. Um, and again, I included that in this segment because I consider it a spoiler, but I'm talking about it first in case anybody wants to know about it and doesn't consider it a spoiler. So, um, so you would definitely need to see Endgame uh, before this movie, um, but arguably you would want to see Infinity Wars 2 because it's basically a part one, part two. Um, so that's really all you need to see. It's all about the results of uh, what happened in those two movies. Um, but in saying that, uh, you know, <laughs> those two movies were the, uh, the end result of everything that happened in the first arc. So <laughs> to really understand everything that's going on in those movies, you need to see pretty much every Marvel movie in the first arc. So, you know. <laughs> kind of decide on your own but uh mm -hmm. it's really all about just infinity war and end game but uh sure. yeah obviously everything has been compiled into those two movies so. mm -hmm. um all right so anyway um moving on from there uh so there was a lot that i noticed uh the second time around um so <clears throat> I guess just kind of summarizing the movie briefly here. So it starts in 5000 BC, Mesopotamia, and the Eternals first appear um, on Earth. Um, 
there are some villagers that are uh you know like fishing just you know doing village stuff and then uh some a deviant uh a deviant comes out of the ocean attacks them and then the eternals show up save them and then they give them um a knife uh you know it's basically signifying that they're introducing tools to them and uh you know from there it's assumed that they continue teaching uh humans and helping them develop over the ages and uh you know there's lots of references to that as the movie goes on um and throughout the movie uh there's just going over the backstory of everything that's happened all the uh encounters that they had with deviants over the years and they talk about all 10 of the um Eternals as the movie's going on. Um, so the 10 Eternals, we've got Ajax, the leader. She has the power to heal. Um, then Icarus, uh, he's considered the strongest of them. Uh, he can fly. He can shoot lasers out of, it, out of his eyes. He's got super strength. He's basically Superman, um, but he doesn't have quite all the powers that Superman has. So, um, And then we've got Athena, uh, the goddess of war. Um, she can generate uh, weapons and shields at will, um, and she's just very adept at combat. And then we've got Circe. Um, she's basically got the power of alchemy. She can instantly transmute things. Um, like she turns a bus into flowers at one point. Uh, she turn she turns uh, like water into wine. <laughs> There's like all this, all this stuff. She's able to just transmute things and change them from one state to another, essentially. Uh, and then we've got Gilgamesh. He's got super strength um, and he's able to generate basically like fist weapons. Um, really just one weapon. He's able, he's able to put kind of like a barrier almost around his fist and it just empowers his attacks, essentially. Then we've got Faustus. Um, he's genius. He's a, a technology expert. He's he's able to generate holograms of like blueprints and stuff. And um, he he basically it's it doesn't really come across this way, but he essentially has telekinesis because he's able to uh, like move all the parts and pieces around to uh, you know to create all these uh, devices, um, all these gadgets. Um, so you know technology is is his thing. Um, you know. He's he's constantly like trying to develop this technology to help the humans, and um, uh, a lot of times he's like he's like trying to push them too fast, and uh, the other journals, especially Ajax, the leader, have to like hold him back. Um, but anyway, so that's kind of his thing. Uh, then Druig, uh, he has the power of mind control. Pretty simple. It's but it's like the most powerful version of mind control that you can really imagine. Like he he talks at one point in the movie about how um, he's considered, you know, just controlling the entire world. Like he makes it sound like that would not be a big deal <laughs> for him to do. Um, and then we've got Makari. Um, she is the, uh, uh, she's the deaf uh, actress. I forget the actress's name. Can you remind me, Mike? Lauren Ridloff. Lauren Ridloff, thank you. Um, her character's uh, power is super speed um, and you know, she's just using sign language the whole movie. Uh, so it's really cool that they uh, integrated that in. Um, and then uh, got Sprite. Uh, she can generate holograms. Um, so, you know, similar to Faustus in that way, but she's much, much better at it. She's kind of the equivalent of like the, the older Loki um, from the Loki series uh, who uh, generated a hologram of 
uh, Asgard. <laughs> so she's like basically on his level of hologram control. Um, and uh, she can also make herself invisible and make other people invisible. Um, and then we've got Kingo. Uh, he has uh, basically, if you've seen Dragon Ball Z, he's basically got like energy attacks, <laughs> ranged energy attacks. He has like the equivalent of a Kamehameha. Uh, it's basically just like one thing. He can just do it either rapid fire or, um, or charge it for like a Kamehameha style attack. Um, so, you know, fist blasters, essentially. Um, so that's all 10 of them. And then we've got some other characters. Uh, so Ajak is um, communing with uh, the uh, celestial, the prime celestial, Erish and the judge um, throughout the movie. Uh, so he's one of many celestials and they explain in the, uh, uh, as the movie goes on, they explain that um, Celestials have been around for a long time, um, and the Celestials are responsible for expanding the universe. Uh, they constantly uh, like use the energy uh, from the creation of like new Celestials to create new universes, new planets, and just they're just constantly expanding the universe. It's like an ongoing balance, um, and. Uh, He's, he's the prime celestial, so he's the leader of all of the celestials. Um, and uh, so specifically, he says that new celestials, he doesn't give a number, just celestials, plural, need to be uh, born every one billion years. Um, so based on the way that he describes everything else that's going on and all the, uh, all the images that we see throughout the movie, uh, it seems like there's, you know, several thousands of uh, celestials that need to be born every billion years be, um, because they have all these groups of Eternals that are going throughout the universe, going to these planets um, and helping the planets uh, gain enough energy to allow celestials to be born through a process called uh, emergence. And... Um, Sorry, I lost my train of thought there. No, you're good. And it's not just what I found from this too, is that it's not just power, it's intelligent power. So that's why they're trying to advance and advance and advance civilizations because they want them to become mm -hmm. the most intelligent life that they can be to fuel the celestial. Yeah. So basically um, the technology, the intelligence of the humans allows them to develop like medicine and things like that, which mm -hmm. allows their population to increase um, right. because essentially the population needs to get to a certain size before the emergence is able to happen. Um, so that's why they're supposed to be like helping them along a little. Um, yeah, because Fastos was trying to like rush it. He wanted to give them the steam, the steam engine before they and... had the plow. <laughs> yeah, and they're in Ajax, like you can't do that right now. Like they just invented the wheel a thousand years ago. No, can't. No, you, you got to take it slow. Yeah, they try to uh, burn you at the stake. Like, yeah, he, he, just, <laughs> he, just, he just earned the uh, he just is like, fine, take it. Here's the plow. There you go. Do that instead. Uh, so they're excited, right? They they want they have this ambition, they have this inherent uh urge to just advance and and throttle. A civilization as fast as possible i feel and it was really ajak that was like 
this is who humanity is. This is the way it's going to work for them. They're on their own page. They're on their own pace. Yes, it's slow for us, but we got to just let it happen. We got to just, we have to just let it be. So uh, that's what I took because when they handed that dagger in the beginning, uh, you know, it was that like historical representation of what an old dagger looked like. Like it was all chiseled and it was all like deteriorated and whatnot. And then she passed it to him and then it upgraded into this like really nice, clean gold-ish color, like steel, if you want to call it. So that we, they were just, it wasn't that like as if they were creating, they were creating inventions and creating things, but they were also allowing humanity to create things, but then they were upgrading it for us too. So they're in more or less, in many ways, they're, they're here, we're here by their design in a way, so. Yeah, they're just pushing humanity along, but they're trying to like, I, I get they never really explain it, but they're they're trying to like let them uh, develop at their own pace. But if they're like going too slow, or they need to get nudged in a certain direction, at that point they'll interfere and uh, in, intervene and uh, introduce some new technology. Um, but yeah, uh, so that's that goes on for a while with the Eternals uh, just staying on the planet and helping guide humanity and protect them from the deviants. And then later on in the movie, we learn, um, you know, the Eternals didn't know like the whole Grandmaster plan um, the entire time. They eventually, uh, so Ajak knew from the beginning because she's been communing directly with um, uh, with the Prime Celestial. Ersham, yeah. Ersham. Um, so she's known from the beginning. And at some point, uh, I don't remember exactly when, but uh, Ajax confided in uh, Icarus um, all the details. So I think it was, it was right after they left. Yeah, it was towards the end of the movie. It was like a flashback. They gave it to us as a flashback sequence. It was when he was talking to Kingo and Kingo's like, I got, I'm, I'm with you. I back you, Icarus, to the end. I, I've always, like, I've always, always have. And Icarus is like, you don't really know me. And then it just did a quick flashback while they're on the doju or dojo or whatever it's called, doju. So. It was around 500 BC, give or take, is uh, when um, Ajax confided in uh, Icarus. Um, so that was, so they arrived in 5000 BC. They were, uh, so the first 4,500 years, she was the only one that knew. And then she confided in Icarus, and then 2,500 years later, we're up to present day. Well, uh, actually, that that was present day when he told Icarus, when she told Icarus. Well, no, that, sitting... was, that was when she told Icarus that she was having second feeling, second, uh, second thoughts. No, because they were sitting on her porch in South Dakota in her home, and no, it was present I, day. I she was in, she was in the cowboy was, outfit. I know, but that conversation was not the first time that... Uh, Icarus and Ajax um, talked about it. She told, like, they, they mentioned this at some point, that uh, Ajax told Icarus shortly after they left Athens. So okay, that was got it. right around so I 500 that. BC. Okay, so um, I missed that. So he already knew. I thought he found out, like, everything in present day, and then that's no. why he, he did that. Why that's why he that was, on her. That was why, um, that was a big reason why Icarus broke up with Circe um all those years ago after he found out about that makes sense um, got it at least i thought so but they actually broke up uh they say a century 
uh, before present day. So, you know, around 1920, give or take. Mm -hmm. um, so <laughs> that might not have been the entire reason, but I mean, given how long they've been on the planet, 2,500, so that was about like 2,500 years after he found out, or 2,400 years after he found out. So I, I don't know. I guess they don't fully explain it. Well, actually, they do at the end, I think. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the exact reason why they broke up. But anyway, they broke up about 100 years ago. Um, but yeah, Circe and Icarus, they, they hook up. There's a, a very intimate <laughs> scene um, that a lot of parents were not happy with. Um, when uh, when they first uh, got together, um, so I don't remember the first time they got together, but I think it was right around 500 BC. Give it was, or take, a lot of stuff happened around them. They did like a quick uh, run up, and it was like 400 BC. It was the Gupta Empire, and they got mm -hmm. married. They should, it was really fast. It was the only time we were we were in that. That, was that 400 age. AD or AD. I'm my, my bad. AD. Yeah um so correct uh yeah so i think about a thousand years after they first got together oh yeah so it's 575 bc um is actually when they uh when their relationship began anyway um so about a thousand years after they were together um they finally got married so you know super 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 long um engagement <laughs> mm -hmm. it's definitely one for the record books um Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so they had been like, you know, giving each other uh, looks for 4,500 years and then oh, they yeah. finally, <laughs> they finally hooked up and then they waited another thousand years and got married. So, you know, Eternals take things slow is <laughs> the takeaway from that. Um, but yeah, uh, so Ajax uh, confides just like a few days before present day. Um, in Icarus that she's having second thoughts that she doesn't want the emergence to happen um, and uh, then Icarus is like yeah you know I totally understand I'll follow you to the end whatever and then he betrays her and um, he asks her to uh, follow him he takes her to uh, some deviants that he had tracked uh, the deviants at this point had been gone for uh, about 500 years I don't remember exactly. I think it was around 500 years the deviants had been gone. Um, so he he found out that the deviants were back, and for whatever reason, he just didn't tell anybody. Um, so he had tracked them. He took her to the deviants, and he fed her to them. Um, so they killed her. They stole her power. They like absorbed it, and it caused them to evolve. And now the deviants are, you know, more powerful than they've ever been as a result. And then. Um, you don't find out about that until much later, <laughs> of course, because uh, he he makes it look like the deviants came to her house and killed her, but he just planted her body there after after um, they killed her. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's the bulk of what happens. Um, and yeah, then after Ajax's death, all the Eternals get back together, um, and then eventually through a series of events, they they all learn the truth um, about uh, uh, Arishim's plan and they decide that they want to stop it because they've lived on Earth for a while. They really like Earth. They like all the people and uh, they don't think it's fair. They don't want all these people to die. They think that all these people deserve to live. Um, so they decide that they want to stop it. 
And uh, initially their plan is to uh, just put um, the celestial in the planet. Uh, so I never really mentioned what the emergence is, I guess. So basically um, 5,000 years ago, or actually it was longer than 5,000 years. They don't actually say exactly what it is, but a long time ago, uh, Erish implanted a seed in the planet and that seed uh, throughout the course of human, uh, well, throughout the course of uh, Earth's history <laughs> has been absorbing energy from all the beings on the planet. Um, and uh, eventually it's going to get to the point where it has enough energy where it's going to uh, emerge from the planet. And in the process of emerging from the planet, because of the size of the celestial, the entire planet is going to explode. So that's the emergence. And obviously all the humans are going to die as a result. So they want to stop that. Um, so they all decide to uh, team up. Uh, and, you know, for a while, um, Icarus is playing along. And then later on, obviously, he uh, betrays them and <laughs> shows his true colors. And um, then they all have to fight against him. Uh, the deviants make an appearance and a couple other people die along the way, <laughs> um, which is a big deal because the Eternals have been around for a long time. So for them to all of a sudden start dying, you know, they've been around for 7,000 years at this point. So it's, you know, it's a really big deal for one of them to die off. Um, and uh, then in the end, they end up saving the day. Um, they prevent the emergence, but it didn't go according to their original plan. Instead of putting the celestial to sleep, uh, the celestial's name is Tiamat. Um, instead of putting Tiamat to sleep, they end up killing him. <laughs> um, so if they had gone with their original plan, it might have been okay. Uh, because they were saying that they were going to just like put him to sleep for a while while they figure out a way that they can get team out of the planet without having it explode. So that's what they wanted to do initially. But it's really kind of Icarus's fault because if he hadn't interfered, they might have been able to do their original plan. But because he tried to stop them, they had no choice and ended up having to kill team it. Um, just because the person that was going to put him to sleep was basically out of commission. So they had to use the other person's power. Um, so I guess Druig is the one that they were going to use initially to put him to sleep, but Druig was attacked by Icarus and was out of commission. So they had to um, go with Circe instead. And her transmutation uh, thing turned Tiamat into stone. So he was very much dead. Um, maybe there's a way to bring him back, but. Um, in the whole movie, we never see Circe undo anything that she transmutes, and they they flat out say that they killed him. I mean, you know, he's still there; his body is still there. So I I could easily see them bringing him back. You know, that could definitely happen. Um, but based on the movie, they claim that he's dead. So, so pretty sweet tourist destination for humanity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you see some news coverage at the end, and they're just like, what <laughs> is this thing? Yeah. It's like giant rock that's sticking out of the out of the planet. It looks like a hand is sticking out, and they're mm -hmm. just like, uh, we don't know what happened, folks, but <laughs> yeah, uh, we're on high alert. We're gonna have like all of our you know battleships nearby I'm just like mm -hmm. ready to fight this thing off. And so yeah. Anyway, that's that's the movie in a nutshell. Um, so now, now some of the like highlights, um, 
I guess we can kind of like go back and forth some stuff that we wanted to uh, talk about. Uh, there's a funny little moment that I noticed early on. Uh, it was the first time they go to present day and we see Circe. Uh, she walks by a Charles Darwin statue. And um, I don't remember exactly what she said. She was like, I know she, I'm late, Charlie. She's, she she's says, sorry like, for being late. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry yeah, for being just late. Like, just like their buddies, which is very probable because of how long she's been around. So I just thought that was a funny little moment there. Yeah, I had that in my notes too. I I got the impression, not the first time, but the second time that she was his pupil potentially and which she potentially could have influenced him or the Eternals could have possibly yeah. influenced him in some way. So that's kind of how I took it that she was like, sorry for being late. You know, that's, that's what he used to, he used to give her slack back in the day probably for being late to, to class. So that's how I took it. Like it was a really personable, like, sorry for being late, you know, type Maybe of thing. I, I mean, that, that makes more sense. I was initially thinking that she was the teacher, though, uh, because, you know, they that's like their thing. They teach humanity. They introduce all these new things to them, all these new ideas. So I feel like they what you said does kind of make more sense. But just based on like, you know, what they do, I think it makes yeah. more sense that they were the teacher. and He was the pupil. Yeah. I mean, either way you shake it, uh, it was pretty much insinuating that there was influence from Cersei. Uh, to him um but yeah she's she's undoubtedly very intelligent probably i'd say the most intelligent one of the most intelligent out of the eternals um i mean when you were bringing up their powers earlier i agree i like how you explained all the powers because they are they're different but what i noticed the second time around too is that they all kind of had like designated and you did dive into it but they all kind of had designated roles where drig was like controlling the behavior of humanity where Gilgamesh was like the brawn uh you know uh, Icarus was the protector like the main protector um Kingo is kind of like the combat fun one the humor uh and then Circe is like agriculture she was all about helping with plant life and crops and all those things and where Fastos like you mentioned was all about creating inventions and innovation and technology that was his focus so they all really had these like didn't this these different like uh roles that they filled uh so it was organized by Erisham in in his creation because one thing that Colin didn't mention more or less the Eternals are space robots they are beings that were created by Erisham by a celestial which you pretty much can consider as a god they say it more or less that i i took a quote from that opening crawl in the beginning and uh it said erisham the prime celestial created the first sun and brought light into the universe life began and thrived pretty much saying like erisham is god erisham erisham and celestial like they they create everything they're responsible for life and the balance and if this process doesn't happen where the emergence and if they sacrifice a planet then it's going to throw everything off and it's going to ruin the balance um yeah so they the eternals are their space robots so yes we did experience some of them losing their life but it's up for debate in the world forge but we saw in the uh, eternals for a short time the place that 
uh, Ersham creates the Eternals and the Deviants. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's safe to assume that there's a good chance we could probably see the Eternals again because they're just robots. They they could be copied and pasted essentially. And just yeah, but it might not be the same one. Well, I mean, oh, not yeah. only do their memories get wiped all the time, but normally the way that they like manage to get off the planet and have the memories like from that version of them like stored in the memory database at the uh, the forge um, is that they like commune with the celestial that's emerging from the planet and they like form a unimind and then that like connection with that celestial is able to like maintain the like consciousness of those eternals and that's that's how they're able to like um, get their memories stored properly but since the celestial was killed that didn't happen so the ones that were uh killed during this movie may never come back because of that there might be some you know that look like them but i don't i don't think we'll ever see those exact ones again i i'm i i think that they will be the same character like same actor same because that's the way i took it that the rope they're robots so when they die, they create a new one. And I thought it was Ersham. Yeah, I do. I did understand that unification process, but I took it that Ersham physically took their memories and stored them for himself, for his homework, for understanding deviants because he created deviants first. And it was a mistake because deviants somehow were evolving and that can't happen. So then he created Eternals to counterbalance the deviants who were evolving because Eternals don't evolve. They're just created of who they are uh i mean they might not do it but i i just assume that they are at airstrom's disposal where he just creates creates them again just keeps creating them keeps creating them and they start from the beginning so i agree that they lost their memory of what happened on earth um but they still airstrom still has all those memories and all those uh experiences they had from other planets and whatever before um, but I, I actually kind of disagree because I remember at the end when he pulls them from space, he says that I am now going to take your memories. I am now going to take what you have from humanity and I'm going to judge off of but, that uh, and I will return from, from the three that he took. I'm the talking about the took. ones that died, but, but he doesn't like, have their memories. Okay. But that's what I was trying to ask. Like, is, does that mean they're gone? Like he still has no control over that at all. Like, I mean, I even think though so, they physically but he still has he still has the memories, like you said, from the the previous planets that they had been on. So, like, okay. he could still create them. They just wouldn't be the version we know, because they would they didn't have the those versions don't have like the seven thousand years of Earth. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not saying that they. Were, I, I wasn't saying that they'd be the same exact version of who we saw in the Eternals. I'm just saying that it's probably the same exact cast, like the same exact character. Yeah, like it's not like a variant. Be. Yeah, and it's not like a variant yeah. situation where where we will get we'll get multiple characters but they could be different people i think that it's because they're a robot it's going to be the same it's going to be the same person you know just a different a different thing um but yeah it's really interesting this even discussing it now like this is a very complex mcu project a lot of very complex themes and characters and whatnot and even just explaining it you did as good as you can but it's that's why people really need to see this movie. Um, obviously, if you're already listening or watching right now or still listening or watching, you've seen this movie. Otherwise, you probably would have stopped. But it, it really is. There's a lot to it. And there's a lot that I missed the first time around.
and I think it was a much better uh, a much better experience the second time around, and I definitely caught a lot more. Um, Being able yeah. to actually pause and rewind. Yeah, was definitely helpful. Yeah, the 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 one thing I did want the fun thing I did wanted to did want to mention uh, towards the beginning of the movie, off topic of Marvel but pop culture related. Any Game of Thrones fans out there? There's a really funny shot that we get, and it's a side by side. They both like enter the shot together and like stand or stare at each other in the face. The Stark brothers. So we get old Rob Stark and um, Kit Harington who plays Jon Snow. We get one little fun scene where we kind of step out of MCU for a second and step in our world because of just how Chloe Chow, the director, kind of framed the shot. They just walk up right to each other. And it was just so funny because it's like Stark brothers reuniting again. Uh, I didn't realize he was in this. I completely missed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was just, I thought, a really fun moment because I don't think they've shared the screen together the two actors I don't think they've shared the screen together since Game of Thrones so uh, I thought that was really uh, not relevant to the MCU but it was just a really fun really fun moment for our our world and our pop culture you know Um, all right so I got another one yeah Um, keep it going I don't know if you caught this one because they like deliberately tried to mask it um there was a scene where they were all getting together. Uh, they were all meeting up with uh, where Gilgamesh and Athena were living. And um, Gilgamesh was kind of making fun of uh, Sprite. And then Sprite turned him into a baby. And then everybody started Gilgamesh. laughing. Gilgamesh, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, while they were laughing at him, Gilgamesh, Gilgamesh <laughs> was still talking. And... Uh, he was explaining to them that um, uh, the brew that they're drinking was taught to him by Odin after they helped him defeat Laufey's army in Tonsberg. So that has a lot of implications. Um, first of all, you know, they, they know who Odin is. Uh, so that actually kind of confuses me though, because, well, I guess Odin knows where Earth is and uh Kingo was joking at one point saying saying that Thor used to follow him around when he was a kid. Um, so, yeah, you know, both Odin and Thor were aware of Earth. I, I guess I don't remember in the Thor movies well enough um, if Thor really knew anything about Earth. I don't really remember. Well, isn't Thor like thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands? I looked old? it up. Thor Wait, what is it? Is, what is it specifically? Thor is 1500 and Odin oh, okay. is, is around 5000. So okay. the Eternals are older than both of them. Okay, so yeah, that I I caught that as well and I put that in my notes because it was a really quick but it was the same conversation. Um and yeah, he said that he used to fall, Thor used to follow him around as a little kid, which I was like that doesn't make sense. And he said, "Now he's a famous Avenger and he won't answer any of my calls." So it's like so there's a relationship between uh thor and the eternals which also thor knew who the eternals were and with everything going on with thanos he wouldn't like try to call them up and be like hey can you help us exactly and uh the leaks that we're getting for if anyone's seen any of the leaks of the armor that thor is going to be wearing in the upcoming film there are very similar color and not we don't know if this is official yet but Colin mentioned it too. There are very, there are a lot of similarities in this new costume design uh, with the Eternals. 
And he's even sharing the same color palette as Icarus, like the gold and the blue. Maybe there's no connection there, but they kind of planted the seed, right? And I didn't even catch this the first time because it happens really fast. And the the, it, the, the audio is a little bit low when Gilgamesh is talking and it, it really went over my head the first time I saw it. So this is definitely one of those examples that you need to pause, you need to like focus and pay attention because this is one of those seeds that they're planting and they're gonna, they're gonna explore it later down the road because you know, how and why were Odin and Thor potent, potentially Loki exposed to the uh, Eternals? There's another moment that I wrote in my notes. And, and are you still talking about Odin and Thor? Yeah, I'm still talking about Odin and Thor. Okay. Well, well, I was just going to say, like, how would they have gotten involved with Odin and Thor unless deviants were involved? Because they were very strict early on about not doing anything unless deviants were involved. So are there deviants on other planets? I mean, we we know that there's Eternals on other planets, but we don't know if there's deviants on other planets. But maybe that um, maybe that's an implication that there are deviants on other planets. So maybe that's why they were involved. Yeah, I, 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 I thought that that's what it was, that they're the celestials had eternals and deviants on every planet like that was the balance of the energy and whatnot you had to have the opposition happening i mean that's that's not really the way that they explain it in the movie Uh, because he just says that like he put the deviants on the planets to try to wipe out all the predators on the planets so that intelligent life could thrive right and then the deviants just started evolving and got out of control and they started eating all the intelligent life too so that's why they created the internals so you know i don't know if like earth was a test case that he was using and then he realized all right forget about deviants i'm going to stop using them they're not they're not a good tool. right right i'm just going to be using internals so you know they don't really clearly say that deviants are always part of the recipe they just were on earth gotcha um but uh yeah, I don't, I don't remember where I was going with that, but anyway. <laughs> uh, well, the same scene, there was, uh, they also say, who's going to lead the Avengers? Yeah. And Icarus is like, oh, I, I could do it. So they just, it was kind of a little fun foreshadow of, yeah, the Avengers don't have a leader right now. You know, both their leaders, if you want to call it Iron Man and Captain America, are, are done. And for separate reasons, but they're gone, they're done. And uh, that was a little foreshadow of uh, uh, getting the audience thinking like, yeah, who really is going to be the next leader of the Avengers? So, but that was all in the same scene. It's kind of just the back-to-back dialogue. Point from that, um, specifically mentioned that they helped defeat Laufey's army. So does that mean Laufey was somehow controlling deviants? Hmm. (laughs) That's all. Yeah, I, I don't, I well, because I'm trying to think back to the Thor movies. Weren't, weren't there some discussion with Odin of how he has gone to Earth before to protect Earth from something? Possibly. I don't remember them well enough, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what I, I was trying to think back to as well, because I, I thought, like, Thor didn't really know what Earth was when right. he was banished here. Right. And they do mention that Thor like followed him around as a kid, but he was saying that Thor doesn't take his calls, implying yeah. that they're still kind of in contact or at least have each other's quote unquote phone numbers. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. That's what they're insinuating. And and I guess this is probably something 
is, is this our, or this is my assumption that this is going to serve something down the road, whether the next time we see the Eternals or in Thor Love and Thunder, you know, hopefully we'll get that context of what is the relationship between the Eternals and uh, Thor, the Odinson family, you know, if you will. So we'll see. We'll have to wait and see. So another uh, note I had here. Um, so when they're explaining uh, the purpose of the Celestials and, you know, that they're, you know, creating all the life throughout the universe and their births have to happen every billion years, et cetera, they specifically say that without the Celestials, the universe will fall, fall into darkness and all life will die. Um, so that's, I honestly didn't remember uh, when I started this for the second time, how the movie ended if they ended up putting Tiamat to sleep or if they killed him. So I, I was thinking about that the whole movie, but they definitely killed him. Um, and obviously there's a lot of Celestials based on the way they describe this and all the different teams of Eternals that are out there and the fact that they've been doing this for millions of years. And this particular cycle only took them 7,000 years so, you know, this particular team of Eternals could have cranked out, you know, thousands of Celestials just on their own, not even considering all the other teams of Eternals. So, um, so this one Celestial dying, maybe not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things, but um, uh, still it has, you know, implications if this becomes a pattern because they're at the end of the movie, they leave and they're trying to help out other teams of Eternals and, you know, that could cause the universe to fall into darkness. <laughs> sure. You know, what does yeah. that mean? <laughs> uh, so another thing I noticed was, I don't know if you noticed this on the note of Ersham in Celestials. When we saw Ersham, when he was speaking to Ajak in 5,000 BC, or it was Babylon, or 575 Babylon, whatever, Ersham looked, I would say younger, but he looked cleaner. Because when Cersei was speaking to him thousands of years later, he looked like he's been through it. Like he looked kind of battered. Like there was some something going on with his, his face. He had like markings all over him that he's been like, I don't know, blasted or some in some sort of like conflict. So I'm getting, I, I kind of looked at that, the imagery of that. And I was, I was thinking in my mind, is there an op opposition for the Celestials right now that they haven't really said? And is that the purpose of keeping the Celestials because of there's another thing that we don't know about yet that Celestials need to exist so that thing gets, you know, that thing doesn't happen? I don't know. Uh, it just, to me, it seemed like maybe just age because it has been so long, but it's a Celestial, does not age? It just looked like to me, the Airstrom that we saw when it was speaking to Ajax and the Airstrom that we saw when it was speaking to Cersei just looked like it had been through something. Like he looked more battered. He looked more marked up and things. So maybe yeah, look at it a second have, time around. I'll have to look at that again. But um, I, I vaguely recall uh, what you're talking about. And uh, I think in the moment, I just thought that that was the difference between seeing him from a distance and seeing him up close. Because I think when Ajax was talking, he was kind of further away and you didn't get to see all those details until, until Cersei was talking and he was like right up in her face. Um, just let me know. So, take a look at it. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a look for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, just given how long the Celestials have been around, I, I don't think that's actually 
what happened, but maybe. Sure. Yeah. Especially with, you know, Star Fox and Thanos and every, all these uh, Eternals that are suddenly rebelling. There, you know, there definitely could be some kind of battle going on. Yeah, I didn't want to jump to Eros, but that's what also led me to have that thought. Because in his scene, he pulled out that sphere that was basically a communication device to the Celestial. And it was almost like he pulled out the sphere and he goes, huh, yeah, your friends are in trouble. So it, to me, it was like he's communicating to his Celestial, not Prime Celestial, but like his designated Celestial because he's an Eternal, right? And maybe that, and I think maybe we had discussed this at some point, could there be like a rogue Celestial like a celestial that's actually helping like the Eternals and helping that's uh, that opposes Erisham's uh, idea that there needs to be this balance. So there needs to be this way of uh, this way of things. And if it doesn't happen then everything's off, all bets are off, you know, I mean, yeah. they're, like, they're opposing it. You know what I mean? It could be. Um, I, my understanding is that uh, uh, Erisham created all the Eternals and uh, that sphere was, communing directly with him i don't know if that okay. was like him actually talking to erisham or just like spying on him um i think okay. it's more likely the latter uh so i don't spying think yeah, yeah yeah definitely yeah. you're right i took so, I, I take as that too you're right that makes yeah, sense. yeah i mean that could be the case that would be interesting for sure because we get a celestial on celestial fight you know <laughs> but um wow. i don't unfortunately i don't think that's actually what uh what was happening there Oh, you're probably right. I think my imagination got with me a little bit on that because I was really trying to explore the possibilities with the Celestials. You know what I mean? Um, but you're right. It was probably that was his direct link to Airstrom as well. And he was just look, looking at it as an update. And I was like, oh, yo, you know, your friends are in trouble, which also I think, where do you think they're going? Oh, well, they're they're trying to find Airstrom so they can rescue their friends. And so I've, they're eventually going to try to get to the other Eternals on other planets and try to, you know, stop all this stuff. I don't really know why they would want to do that. I mean, I understand saving Earth because they've been there a long time and they, they know maybe they're just trying to enlighten all the Eternals so the Eternals can kind of decide for themselves what they want to do. I think that's a much better solution just because of the whole, you know, everyone in the universe dying if the Celestials <laughs> stop being born. Yeah, I took it as that I took it like the AI thing where we're robots and we were they're basically giving them like their free will, like they're going and they even said it at the end, Makari or whatever it was like, we're going to set them free. We're going to set the Eternals free. So that's kind of what I got. I got a real like robot AI vibe from that, like an iRobot type thing, like detaching from the the man, you know, detaching from the overseer, the boss, you know, the creator. And having its their own choice their own existence because that's really what it was like the the eternals really opposed their creator that's that's pretty much what went down um but yeah it's really interesting i i think that we're gonna get another big sequence at the world forge i think we're gonna get a lot more at the world forge potentially in the next adventure with the eternals i think that is where airstrom's taking Kingo, Fastos, and Cersei, the three of them from Earth. I think he's taking them to Definitely, the World yeah. or World Forge where, or whatever. That's where the memories are stored, so that's where he would have to go. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be really interesting to see if the Eternals really have the uh, cojones to go. They already did go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Ersham, but to really go toe-to-toe -to -toe with him because 
he didn't seem happy, but he didn't seem totally upset. So that's why I'm with you. Like, I'm really interested to see, find out more <laughs> because yeah, it's like, what really is the intention? Because he was really serious about it. And then it happened and the celestial died at their hand. And he's like, you know what? All right, I'm going to let that happen. But I'm going to go watch all the memories and take what you said in consideration. But I'm going to be the final judge on humanity, whether they deserve to continue existence or not. So, yeah, it was, I felt like there was definitely some deep foreshadowing at the end that I didn't catch the first time that I caught for the second one. So, but yeah, so they managed to defeat Tiamat. Uh, so, you know, they've beaten one celestial, but the important right. yeah, uh, yeah. thing to understand there, um, they only beat Tiamat because Tiamat helped them. <laughs> right. Which they kind of explain a little bit at the end, because when they were forming their Unimines, um, they did it as Tiamat was emerging. And like I was saying earlier, Tiamat, uh, like as part of the normal emergence process, the celestial joins their Unimind. Um, and it was like that, that's what always happens. So he joined in just because it's part of the normal process. And because he was with them, they were able to use the additional power from him to defeat him. Right. He so, didn't know it was happening. He was just going through the process. Right. And so, just benefiting them. Yeah. So that's that's how they've managed to defeat, defeat that celestial. So how are they going to get enough uh, power to defeat Erisham? Who knows? Uh, your rogue celestial theory uh, seems a lot more viable because I don't know how else they could get enough power to do it. I mean, obviously they could do a Unimind with, you know, a hundred different Eternals. Um, that could definitely wow. happen. Yeah, no, definitely. A hundred percent. Yeah. And they just like power up, um, shoot what's what's his name kingo and he does a mm -hmm. super super kamehameha wave yeah. <laughs> I, I just i was just i was just laughing because i was thinking of like a shot of like a hundred thousand whatever eternals like all linking mm -hmm. hands with just one big power one big energy source and just completely obliterating yeah Arisham. yeah no all of them joining powers kingo doing a super kamehameha <laughs> wave and then um uh, shoot what's his name uh, uh Karen, Karen Patel, uh, Kingo's valet catching it all on camera, yeah. Karan or whatever. Karun, yeah, Karun, Karun. Yeah. he was so Kingo, Kingo turning around, being like, Did you get yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I on the on the note of Karun, I missed that the first time. Uh, when they're in his private jet, Kingo's private jet, and I love that bit of how did you pull off being the leading man for a hundred years in a film franchise? <laughs> and he's like, He's like, Look, it's my great grandfather. My grandfather and my dad or whatever like that was so good yeah. not that far but you know what i mean like it was it was so funny and yeah. he was talking about karun and karun's like he's like yeah the first time he met me he he's been with me for 50 years he thought i was a vampire and he actually tried to stab me with a stake <laughs> karun's like i'm sorry about that man <laughs> so they've so it, he's they've like been, i've apologized many times when yeah. is it going to be enough <laughs> <laughs> so they've been with yeah. karun's basically been with kingo for since he's probably been a child like since yeah been, like, like five yeah, yeah yeah so i i love that little bit uh and i i think i just enjoyed kingo all around i really enjoy that actor i don't know if you've seen the show silicon valley but that actor is just he's solid and he really turned you know his body and everything around for being in marvel uh it's funny because they told him like you didn't need to get that that jack dude and and he did um but he 
he loved it. I could tell he had a really fun time and it was just something different than he usually does. And because uh, he's a stand-up comedian too. And um, I really enjoyed his performance and I'm glad he's one of the ones that stuck around and he didn't, he didn't, he didn't die. But I will yeah, say one yeah. of the things I, I didn't like and I didn't like it again this time was how he legitimately went from, and I, I understand the reasoning they go into it, but he legitimate went, legitimately went from, all right, I'm with you, Icarus. All right, you know, Icarus, no, you can't do this against family. And then they have their bout and then Icarus exits with Sprite. And then he's like, all right, you know what? Yeah, Icarus is right. I'm out of here. And then he exit and he's not even in the whole like final fight sequence at all. And then he shows up again. He's like, yeah, guys, it's all good. And it's like, there was a lot of back and forth and I didn't really, I just didn't like how he just exited and he wasn't a part of that, the ending, the ending sequence. I get why he wasn't there, but. Uh, neither. You know, one yeah. thing that just occurred to me, um, I don't know if this was actually, uh, if you can actually see this or not, but they show like the, uh, the like lines connecting all of them to the Unimind. Yeah. I wonder if there is an extra line um, going to Kingo because I'd imagine they could definitely connect like throughout the entire world. Right, exactly. So I don't know, because it seemed like they were like automatically brought into it almost with no choice just because it was part of the typical emergence process. Mm -hmm. So I would imagine yeah. Kingo was probably connected, but I didn't look for an extra line to see if it was going off in the distance. I didn't so see I wanna, one either. I want to look for that now. <laughs> yeah, do that definitely because I, you know, I, I, I felt like that was not a great choice storytelling wise. I like, agree. You gave us a new character. He needs to be there for the final sequence um but yeah all around uh loved him and i can't wait to see more of kingo and uh we'll have to see what happens kingo and karun yeah, yeah. I, lo I loved him he, there was like the running joke of his camera and they kept like breaking his cameras and he kept pulling up backup pulling up. cameras <laughs> <laughs> and the sprite was like where do you keep getting these cameras young man and it's just so funny because she's actually like in real life she's a younger actress but she's old right and they actually yeah. dive into that in her character she can never find love because she's always portrayed as a young person even though she's not so she actually has to disguise herself as an older person and it, it creates she doesn't like how the creator created her that way and you know um i realize that a lot of this movie is really about love there's love i think is one of the underlying foundational themes of the entire film it's the love is with the Eternals and humanity. It's with Gilgamesh and Thena. It's with Sprite and Icarus. It's with Cersei and Icarus. It's with Ajax and humanity. It's with Makari and Jerug. It's with the Eternals and each other. And with Karun and Kingo. <laughs> like it's, it's, it was like, you can pull out all these relationships and all these things and it all boils down to love, really. And uh, I think that's something that was powerful about this film and might've been, kind of overlooked because there's just so much going on and it's a marvel movie and it's that but when you really pull it back and you look at it at eternals as just a film and what they're trying to portray what they're trying the themes that they're trying to give out it, it's really about love you know and um i think that's something i i enjoyed about the movie that i noticed the second time too like it's that's one of the big themes of it but I, yeah, uh, I didn't make that connection but yeah that's definitely a good point mm -hmm. um I mean, that's basically the whole reason that they saved the planet because they love Earth and all the people on it. Yep. Um, all right. So 
what else? <laughs> there was a Star Wars coloring book. Did you notice? It, <laughs> yeah, Icarus was reading a Star Wars coloring book at the table, and they're in Fastos' yeah. home. Fast, yep. yep. Yeah, I loved that. You know, Disney cool being Disney. You know, and uh, they referenced Excalibur at one point as well. Yep. Um, and can I segue yeah. into something? Um, I'm you. I'm sure you caught this, and I'm sure you have this in my in your notes. Uh, so can we just talk about Dane Whitman now? Can we talk about? I want to save that for last. Okay, that's fine. That's why I didn't want to dive <laughs> into it. I just felt a good segue right there to really let, let's save that for last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, agree. I agree. I agree. Is that the big thing you were telling me about before? Yes. Okay. Same here. Okay. Okay. Good. We're definitely talking about the same thing. <laughs> all right. Um. All right. So what else do I have here? Uh. So there's an Excalibur reference, um, and they specifically mentioned the Ebony Blade. Uh, so the Eternals apparently know what the Ebony Blade is. Um, it's like they're they're on uh, their ship Domo um, when they're all uh, getting together to try to stop the emergence. And uh, I think Thena picks up a sword and somebody asks her if it's the Ebony Blade and she's like, no, it's Excalibur. Um, so, you know, double reference there. So apparently Excalibur is real. I want to add to that so bad, but I can't right now. We'll talk about it more in a bit, don't worry. Um, oh, and uh, early on when they were talking about their plan um, to put Tiamat to sleep, I, I forgot they actually did come up with a solution of what they were going to do after Tiamat was put to sleep. They were going to evacuate the entire planet and just move all oh, the humans yeah. to another and, planet. Yeah, repopulate or another planet. And I think someone was like, do you understand like how complex the logistics that is? Like, that it's, not, like, yeah, it's not just going to yeah. be easy just to pick them up and just yeah, drop them on another planet. But they're Eternals. Yeah. They got time. They, got they time. have time and they can develop. And they, hey, I, yeah, yeah I, I, I didn't think it was extraordinarily far-fetched. I, I was like, hey, okay, sure, no problem. So I got two more things and then we can jump into Kid Harrington. Yeah, go ahead. I don't I don't have any anything more to add. Um, so one thing, uh, I was a little annoyed about this, uh, seeing it for the second time. I was reading the text in the beginning of the movie and there were some things in the text that were just flat out lies. Because <laughs> they were saying that the Eternals came from the planet Olympia and there is no such planet. And uh, there were a couple other things in there that were just not uh not true and i really didn't appreciate that because <laughs> like yeah. um they, they could have written it in such a way that it was actually factual and not deliberately false just for the sake of getting a surprise reveal later on it's like right. I, i'm comparing that in my mind to like star wars like all the stuff that they put yeah. at the beginning of the movie it's it's all true <laughs> like there's nothing that's yeah. deliberately yeah. lies in there and I, I really i really rubbed me the wrong way i didn't like it, did that anyway go ahead can I ask you a question? Because I, I I wanted to ask you this before the episode, but it's fine. Have they done an opening crawl before? I don't. I, don't I couldn't. I couldn't remember. I think this is the first time that they've done an opening like this opening crawl in the beginning of a movie. Yeah, I don't remember any others. Um, yeah, I couldn't either when I was thinking about that today because I I totally agree. I think that that was just a way to plant the seed for the for the audience and for the audience to be oh okay you got us knee slapper but that could have been done with just them talking about it in the movie talking but they already did talk about olympia in the movie anyway yeah. so yeah, I mean, like, like to me you when that. you see text like that that's just like you know narrative that's telling you 
a list of facts. Yes. Right? Like I that's agree. what it should be. They were just yes. deliberate lies in there. That just that bothered me. Anyway, that's really the only complaint I have. So <laughs> yeah, I'll, I agree. I'll let it slide. No, I I actually typed down the whole thing. Uh and it probably what is the other one? Until an unnatural species of predator emerged from deep space to feed on intelligent life. So they yeah. just didn't they didn't say like, oh, it because yeah, they didn't want to say they're created by Ersham. Yeah. Yeah. They just um, said so that one wasn't predator. necessarily a lie because yeah. I mean Erisham is from deep space, right? Yeah, so, so I don't I don't see anything else that's a lie, a lie besides that. The Olympia one's definitely the Olympia one's the only deliberate lie. lie. The deviant one was just misleading. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so that one, that one I guess can be forgiven, but the the Olympia one I really don't like. Yeah, I agree. Put that in there. Yeah. Um, they could have just said like from deep space, you know, instead of saying from Olympia. One hundred percent. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway um uh then one thing that i'm hoping you didn't notice i, I don't think you did because it was kind of subtle um makari was wearing a war of the worlds shirt yeah hg wells <laughs> I, I saw it yeah, yeah. and it was and in I, spanish too it was la guerra des, des mondes yeah yeah i did see that uh, and it was when they were in the ship at towards the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, you reminded me when you said subtle and I just missed it on my notes and I almost didn't include it in the episode and I don't understand the correlation or why they did it, but it did happen. You could go back and rewind it. It definitely happened. So in they, when they go back to Kingo and Kingo's doing his little dance, his Bollywood dance with the production for the set of the film that he's doing. There are men in that dance sequence that are holding shields that are designed as Captain America shields. They look exactly like Captain America shields. Yeah, <laughs> so they have the same design with the star and everything. So why? Why Why were there, like, was that just a little Easter egg for us to be like, oh, that looks like Captain America's shield? Or yeah, I mean, probably partially that, but also Kingo was saying how, like, you know, Thor is so popular now. He's part of the Avengers, never answers my call. That's probably his way of, like, I don't know, either trying to reconnect with Thor or being okay. like, you know what, I'm going to put you guys in my movie whether you like it or not. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't it. know. So that was, like that. I, that was just in giving me the, uh, it was making me think that whether there was interaction or not, I mean, we know that it's clear that the Eternals knew of the Avengers. They knew of them. You know, obviously they name dropped them in that one scene, but I, I just, I want to know how much and how little did they know about them? You know, because does he really know anything about Captain? He just knew what the shield looked like because he, it, it, they're making it seem like he, that Kingo and some of them really knew Odin and Thor. So it's like, I don't, it's, I, I, I we'll, we'll probably get more down the road about that, but you know. We'll yeah, see. I'd imagine they know pretty much everything. Because um, when somebody asked them about Thanos, you know, they they weren't surprised at all. They they knew everything that had happened. Um, and yeah, obviously they know Thor, and so I mean they they know of the Avengers in general. I I would imagine they know they know all that stuff. Right. Um, okay. Um, one and, other thing. Yeah, I wanted I mean, to go. Go ahead. Uh, so I was just gonna say like. One thing that I was a little confused about when they claimed that they killed off the last of the uh, deviants, um, I think it was around like 500 BC. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, uh, what's his name? Um, 
Faustus pulls out mm-hmm. this uh, like uh, sphere. Uh, it's like uh, basically a hologram of Earth, and it's got all these like um, dots on it. These like little lights that are representing the deviants. So um, that's his like deviant tracker thing, and that's how they've been able to hunt all of them down. That's how they quote unquote know that they're all dead, even though obviously they missed some of them. So I'm just wondering with the technology that they have, as advanced as it is. How did they manage to miss them if he if he has that tracker that can literally see the entire planet? Um, so because so they, they were, were frozen. supposedly frozen in ice. So does that mean that they were like registering as dead? And that's like how how it missed them? I guess that must be the case. But the other alternatives that um deviants were replanted on the planet, like after they were supposedly killed off, like when the uh I don't know when uh, Erisham got suspicious that the Eternals were gonna change their mind and <laughs> try to stop it, so he threw mm-hmm. the deviants on there to slow them down. I don't know. I I took it because they were up in Alaska that it's they've always been frozen. They've been frozen since before, and I assuming that they give off heat. Maybe Fasos's device is based off of heat, and it didn't register. Not that they weren't alive, but that they weren't breathing or what it just didn't register that it was a living thing so they're because they were frozen under ice yeah. for the whole time that they were there so I, that's just the way i took it uh because he said that the closer that it got to the emergence the earth was warming so that's why that they broke off from that part of the ice or wherever they were um yeah okay well that's all i had um before we get into the the big one yeah um the last thing i have i can't believe i missed this too because this was important um and now i know that you didn't catch it too they do a little plot line for makari so back in i think it was babylon or mesopotamia anyway it was is way back in the day when we first see them interacting with old humanity she comes back from finding artifacts they don't really talk about what artifacts they are but she she's she's trying to find artifacts so that she can trade with humanity but she is asking the two guys in front of her that to look for what was called an emerald tablet and they said to her we couldn't find the emerald tablet it doesn't exist then they just they drop it they don't bring it up again but an hour and a half later in the movie when we're back on the ship and we're modern day and no one knew where Makari was this whole time and she's just been in the ship hanging out she Droog actually says something to her like oh you found the tablet you have the and she's holding it in her hand so is the emerald tablet am I just you know thinking too much on this or is this an artifact this emerald tablet is this of importance that we might see used later down the road yeah i missed the i missed that follow-up part for sure um i mean i would imagine it's important if they're gonna exactly. reference in twice like that um it's obviously not powerful enough <laughs> to merit them uh using it um in you know the fight against Tiamat at the end or even against um icarus but it could be that it is very powerful but it's just like part of a set or something right maybe they need other pieces to to use it fully yeah and i and i it got my head spinning and i was thinking oh maybe it's 
just something small and it's something to develop the character of Makari down the road uh, just to give her some more development or does this have maybe a correlation with you know they're mentioning artifacts and we're then think about the rings the 10 rings you know are those an artifact from the last shields like what I mean we don't know yet we're going to find out but you know is there some sort of correlation with the rings too so I don't know that that's probably reaching too much but um it's probably something more simple like just to develop Makari's character because it seemed like she was the only person that was she cared about this thing like she was seeking this thing out for generations on earth you know so it might be something personal to her sentimental you know um but then again their brains keep getting wiped so i don't i like I just hadn't got, I wanted to mention it because that got my head spinning and I'm like, what was the point of this? Because like you said, they mentioned it twice. So there's, there's, there's some importance there. Otherwise they wouldn't have done it. So. I'm just thinking about it right now, actually. Yeah. Do you want me to tell you? Yeah, go ahead. That's fine. So. Uh, basically, the tablet is talking about a way to create a philosopher's stone. Um, so I don't know how helpful that would be because my understanding of a philosopher's stone is essentially like uh, the same as Circe's power, They're very similar. Uh, so it's basically lets you do alchemy, um, and this is just from uh, from my watching. Um, uh, shoot full metal alchemist <laughs> okay yeah because a philosopher's stone is a very very big recurring theme in that show and it's basically this all-powerful stone that allows you to perform alchemy um without transmutation circles and it lets you like break all the laws of alchemy because the whole thing in that show is the law of equivalent exchange um where you can't create something without giving up something of uh equal or less of uh, equal like size and proportion or whatever got it um so yeah so i mean a philosopher's stone could be very powerful but it seems very similar uh to what Circe already does so i could yeah. see it like tying it to Circe's character i don't necessarily know why makari would want it but right yeah yeah because Circe basically changes like matter she changes compounds she completely shifts that or completely changes them yeah, from what they were before essentially doing alchemy yeah it's, it's crazy like exactly what they do in full metal alchemist it's just what she does that's um, awesome so yeah so some some kind of uh, relation to alchemy like very powerful alchemy um mm -hmm. so yeah i mean i can definitely see that being paid off later it's just uh, a little bit confusing to me why makari would want it but maybe makari was getting it for Cersei. Cersei, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I just felt like it was a good thing to mention because I, I didn't catch yeah, it for some reason. Good, good catch. Little little Easter egg, not, not really Easter egg, but potential foreshadow. Uh, but let's get into it. I'm really excited to talk about this part. You've been you've been eager. Why don't you <laughs> go ahead? So it hit me in the beginning when she is interacting Cersei is dating Dane Whitman that's how we're introduced to Dane Whitman he's she's he's Cersei's boyfriend in modern present day and they downplay him in the beginning and then all of a sudden they're in the stairwell like kind of kissing and it's his birthday and she's like oh I got you a present and he opens the present 
and it's a ring with his, you know, family crest on it. And he's like, what is this from the middle medieval ages? And like, how'd you get this? This must've cost a fortune. And she's like, oh yeah, I bought it on eBay. And another thing that went totally over my head the first time I saw it. And then when pausing and, and analyzing the movie this time, having the, the opportunity to do so, I picked up on all those seeds that they were planting for Dane Whitman and for the fact that it's very clear that the Eternals, like Cersei already knew about Dane before he probably knew about her. Like the Eternals clearly knew, know about that family. They've spent time with that family because they name drop an uncle of the name of Arthur. And did you his name? Yep, they did. Yeah, okay. because the scene that you were talking about before when Cersei's talking to Ajax, or not Ajax, uh, Athena, and she's playing with Excalibur, Sprite's like, oh yeah, Arthur really had a crush on you, or really liked you, something like that. So it, it, it was another catch it or you'll miss it dialogue, but it was giving another level of development to show that the Eternals, not some of them, all of them knew his family, know of Dane's family and what's going on with that. Um, so I did one, literally one search. I just typed in Ar Arthur Marvel and something like that. Uh, or I typed in Dane, Dane Whitman's uncle. And so allegedly it's King Arthur. I didn't catch that bit, um, but I did learn some stuff about his uncle. Okay, um, sweet. Just based on when um, uh, when Cersei was telling him, because like she knew the world was ending, she said uh, you should call your uncle and you know try to make amends. And then later on in the movie, right before Cersei is abducted by uh, Erishim, um, he says that he had a secret that he wanted to share with her, and then he says he learned some stuff about his family history and it's implied that he learned that um after reaching out to his uncle um and uh just after <laughs> googling it a little bit uh basically his uncle uh was black knight before him so it, you know that makes sense given that uh, he was uh apparently king arthur <laughs> yeah so i didn't mean to say um, uncle i guess what i was trying to say was that like he, his ancestor is king arthur but the but the new uncle could be have the same name because it's a name passed through the family. Yeah, it could be. But yeah, his uncle is very much alive. I'm assuming the Arthur that they're referring to, at, at least sometimes in some of those references referring to is is probably dead. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, like you said, it could just be a family name. Um, but yeah, they basically explain that uh, that uh, that his uncle was Black Knight, and. Um, in the comics uh that black knight like uh you know he tried to be like a superhero but the ebony blade essentially like corrupted him and turned him evil um so he ended up becoming a villain um i think he was one of iron man's villains if i remember correctly nice. um so you know his uncle basically explained that to him and probably gave him a warning about the sword and that's why at the end of the movie in the end credit scene when he's reaching for the sword he's so hesitant and he's nervous about it because like he wants to do good but he knows what happened to his uncle so he's really nervous um 
and then yeah that's that's pretty much it <laughs> so did you notice how uh in that scene that you mentioned the when he opens the box the sword reacts to him as he steps like closer to the sword so there was like wrapping all over the sword and these like hieroglyphs appeared across the wrapping and then when he got closer to it, and he like put his fingers up there was almost like this like entity i don't want to say symbiote but there was some it, sort symbiote of symbiote is exactly what i was thinking when i yeah. saw it like i knew it wasn't a symbiote but that is right. very much what it looked like very much what it looked like and yeah. it was he was he was reacting to his touch like it was reacting to like what i'm going to assume his is like his spirit yeah, yeah his his mm -hmm. family presence like yeah. it was reacting to his family presence and then we get the the line which I totally hacked before because I only saw it one time because I thought he said like, what are you doing? But it's, um, I have it here, the exact line. I the forgot words. to write it down. I have it. <laughs> he goes, are you sure you're ready for that, Mr. Whitman? Yeah, um, so that was Blade, um, Mahershala Ali. So we hear yes. his voice for the first time. His, uh, it, uh, so that's the, I guess, I mean, that I would call it official introduction of Blade. Yeah. Even though we don't see him. <laughs> yeah. So that's Blade's first uh, vocal appearance. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I was, <laughs> this was stupid, but I like paused it and tried really close uh, to look like really close into uh, um, to Whitman's eye <laughs> to see if I could see. Oh, oh, yeah. No, I mean, we know that he recorded that audio in his booth and they dubbed it into the movie uh but i'm sure if they do the scene again they'll re redo the whole scene and he'll turn and he'll be standing there they'll 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 it'll be one of those movie magic things where yeah he'll they'll most likely drop us right into that scene uh wherever I, that yeah. story takes us i wasn't next. expecting to actually see anything but that would have been so funny though it, you anyway. you would have broke the internet too <laughs> If you if you would have found that and 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 posted that uh, like on on YouTube, you're like, look, I I found the first image of Blade in Kit Harrington's eye. If you zoom in, you but oh. he probably isn't even in a Blade costume in that. No, yeah, no, he wasn't <laughs> physically there. He was not physically he wasn't. there. No, I read okay. he they okay. he recorded that in the studio. Yeah, uh, dang. <laughs> yeah, no, he they ha he hasn't been in costume yet. This was, but this was his first performance. And it was funny when I read the article, he said that what I remember that he didn't have a lot of time to prepare because they were like, all right, we need you. And you got to read this line. You got to do it uh, because originally the post credit scene was supposed to be the Eternals and probably the Eternals that went off into space. We're supposed to have a sit down conversation with Dan, uh, with um, Kang. And they decided to ax that and bring Blade in instead which I think this kind of fits more, this fits better. I, I, I like this decision. I'm glad they went this route instead. Uh, so it seems like it was kind of a, not a last minute, but hey man, we need you like in a week, two weeks, you know, so please get to the studio and please come in and record this. So yeah, it was his first time feeling out the voice and trying to find the, you know, what he's going to do with, um, with Blade. It's it's... <laughs> yeah, it sounded like, yeah, but there's a little bit of some deepness, I feel like, to Blade in a way. And there's kind of like a tone, you He's know, it's not really a very deep voice. I don't yeah, think he really has to try. His, his voice just uh, fits very well. 
the new actor, right? Mahershal Ali. Mahershal he, Ali. He, yeah, yeah, he does have, you're right. He does, he does have, that's probably why they were like, oh, his voice is just going to naturally like work just like Wesley Snipes with the character. Yeah. You're and right. Just his figure and everything too. He's just, he's a really good choice for the role. Are um, we going to get a bald blade? Because <laughs> they did um, it in the show. They, remember that show that came out on like Spike or whatever so long ago? <laughs> and it was only like five or five or eight episodes. They tried doing a blade, blade live action show and it was a bald blade because because I know there's a bald blade like that exists in the comics and stuff. Yeah, I've seen pictures. I haven't seen that show, but uh, yeah, I'm going to say terrible. no, but okay. yeah, yeah, <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, and back to the War of the Worlds, uh, kind of brushed on that, but didn't really uh, talk about it anymore. Sure. Um, I, I'm wondering what that shirt actually meant um is that implying that there's going to be a war of the worlds you know with all the like eternals fighting each other or something like that or is that just like uh referencing you know more closely to what actually happens in the novel um and basically saying that the eternals are the aliens that like invaded earth and they're essentially killing off all the humans is that just like saying that there's a parallel there or is it actually saying that there's going to be a a quote-unquote war of the worlds (laughs) uh it's a i think it was a parallel i think it was i think so too i think it was just to say to poke fun and say you know this is humanity's representation of what aliens would be like and how it would go down when they'd come to earth you know death and destruction but in reality it's the complete opposite they're they're there to protect ourselves before the, the destruction happens, before the death and destruction happens. They're not necessarily the cause of it. It's the other aliens that are doing it. But yeah, it was just, I feel like just a, the whole idea of aliens, not only aliens being on earth, but aliens, you know, walking among us too, you know? So yeah, that's why I take it, but who knows? Possibly. And uh, one other thing with the ebony blade um, there was an etching on the inside of the box and uh, Kit Harrington actually ends up saying it out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember the exact pronunciation, but something like Mors Mihi Lucrum. Um, it was uh, death is more, I think. Right. That's Latin for uh, death is my reward. Or death is my reward. That's it. Yep. Death yeah. is my reward. Yep. Um, so what exactly does that mean? I mean, we know that the, the Ebony Blade corrupted his uncle and, you know, he's hesitant to touch it because he's worried it's going to corrupt him too. So I guess the uh, the Blade is probably going to give him an urge to just murder, <laughs> just kill people. Just, the fact that we're getting Kit Harrington wielding a sword again, not to bring up Game of Thrones again, but come on. Yeah. We know he can handle a sword mm-hmm. and we know he's a great action star. We saw it already. And I just feel like this is the, because I didn't realize who he was going to be. I knew he was going to be casted in this film, but now that we're at the end of it and now we know what they're doing with him. And we, now we know where it's going. It's genius. It's genius casting. It's going to be solid. Like, are you kidding me? We're going to get a back to, we're probably going to get a, it's not literally going to happen, but I envision a back-to-back scene they're literally shoulder to shoulder a back-to-back blade and uh kit harrington's character and they're just fighting zombies or fighting uh fighting fighting vampires and fighting like whatever is coming down the road because when he opened the box yes. there was the, this release of like spirits like it was like these like ghosts like it was like ooh, like this like weird sound like it was like almost like he released stuff when he opened like released evil when he opened the uh the box so are they going to be fighting vampires or are they going to be fighting evil spirits like 
what how is it going to go down but i think it's safe to assume that we're going to get kit harrington and blade fighting together whatever supernatural entity we're going to get absolutely i when that scene happens i'm i'm just going to be so hyped like (laughs) i'm going to be so good so good (laughs) so good anyway all right well yeah i think that's that's everything i had yeah I, I i covered all my notes too i i think we uh definitely brought up some really interesting points and obviously a lot of things that we missed the first time around so not only do we recommend seeing this movie for your first time but at some point watch it a second time for sure i guess one other just minor thing they they referenced a specific planet um earlier uh, mm-hmm. it's a planet that Athena remembered uh, like when she's having one of her episodes we never talked about it here uh, so if you haven't seen the movie you won't know what we're talking about but Athena is going through uh she has like a basically a sickness yeah mad weary yeah mad weary thank you um and uh essentially she's remembering her past lives and it's causing her to kind of like uh go through an identity crisis and not really know what's going on so she starts just attacking people around her um something like that and uh she specifically mentions a planet called century six at one point um so you know presumably that planet's destroyed now i don't know the importance of that planet um but you know that could be something that comes back up again later sure definitely well, I think that wraps up uh, the main discussion of this week's episode of this segment. Uh, stay tuned, and we're going to close out with our outro. Well, that's a wrap for this week's episode of Stand Up and Marvel. We did a time heist episode, our first of a series that you will continue to see and listen to. So make sure to stay tuned for that. Uh, but that's it for Eternals. Any last uh, thoughts or notes you want to add, Colin? Uh, not for this movie, but just in general uh to all of our listeners um i know we've got some people listening in uh denmark and south africa which was uh pretty cool to see Uh, so thank you everybody for listening and uh hope you'll join us next time yes thank you so much i second that colin we'll see you next time take care have a great week